Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. I, uh, I certainly love all of the new worship songs that we do. And uh, the Bible says that we should sing a new song unto the Lord. Amen. And I like all these new songs we sing. I think they um, stirs your heart and your mind, putting your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love them. But, uh, boy, it's just hard to beat songs like Jesus Paid It All. I mean, that gives you truth straight from the Scripture, and that's why it's so powerful. He has done everything necessary for me and you to become children of God. Isn't that amazing? And, and tonight, I am truly thankful that He has paid it all for me, and He's paid it all for you. And this is the message that we must keep preaching to a lost and dying world. He's done everything needed for them to be made right with God. When he said it is finished, he meant it. His redemptive plan for mankind is finished. And now all people must do to come to faith in, or to, to be saved is to come to faith uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace through faith we're saved because Jesus paid it all. Thank you, brother, for that song. That truly blessed my heart. Now, tonight, I, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. That's what we're going to be looking at. Can we turn the lights up just a little bit, please, guys? Um, the, uh, I think we got down last week to verse number seven and we'll get there in just a minute, but how many of you have just had maybe one of those weeks? I don't know about you, but man, I've had one of those weeks where it just seems like, um, it was a struggle to get by at times, you know, and you, and you just didn't know, uh, what you needed to do or maybe what you wanted to do or, uh, or what you're supposed to do. And it, and it just, it was a struggle, you know, at times. Uh, throughout this week for me and um, I think if we're honest we all deal with that sometimes you know in, in whatever sphere of life we're talking about whether it be um, you know in our family or at our work um, in relationships uh, even in our church from time to time that happens and so we all deal with stuff I, I don't want you to ever believe or think that you're the only one that is dealing with things that sometimes cause you to struggle because the truth is we all struggle. And I think what happens is a lot of time we get, uh, you know, into a church service and we, we look around and it seems as though everybody else has got it figured out and maybe we're the one that's missing it. But folks, I want you to know um, we're all going through some of the very same things. Uh, maybe mine may be a little different than yours. Yours may be a little different than mine, but uh, we all struggle from time to time. That's just the way it is. But let me tell you what I'm thankful for, what I've experienced this week, and what has absolutely blessed my soul. I'm thankful for two things. First of all, I'm thankful that we have a God who is personal. Can you say amen? Let me tell you what I mean by that. Because he is a personal God, who I have a personal relationship with, that also means I have fellowship with him. And there's nothing more blessed than fellowship with the living God. I'm talking about talking to him and allowing him to speak to you. I'm talking about coming before him in worship and experience his power and presence. And, and because he is personal, he knows my every need. Do you know that? And because he is personal, he knows your every need. Sometimes I think we view God as some gray-haired old grandpa sitting a million miles away somewhere on a throne with a big old stick. And if we do something wrong, then he's going to reach out there with that big old stick and cluck us over the head with it. Folks, that is not the picture 
of God the Father that we find in Scripture. He is a loving Heavenly Father that is personal with you. And He's not hiding from you. And He's not hiding from me. And the Bible says for His people, for the people of faith, for blood-bought, born-again believers, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in our time of need. If you believe it tonight, say amen. And that's true for all of us who've placed faith in Jesus. You can come boldly before the throne of grace when you're in whatever need you have in your life, whatever you're going through, and God hears your prayer because He is a personal God. Let me give you the next one. Not only is He personal, listen to me, He's powerful. He's powerful. And I've seen His power this week in my life. I've seen Him do things that only He could do. You know, when you uh, lose sleep at night and you, and you wonder, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? And you cry out to the Lord, I'm thankful, just like King David said, the psalmist said, in, my, in, 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 the, in, the, in the dead of night, in my night chamber, in my bed, I called upon the Lord, and He heard me. He heard me. We sing a song around here a lot that talks about, I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. And folks, when that happens for you personally in your life, and you experience God's power at work in your situation, there's nothing more blessed than that. I love that. It's amazing. Now, not only is God personal, He is powerful. Therefore, He can fix whatever is happening in your situation, in your need, in your stuff. Now, do we play a part in that? Absolutely. I love uh, what Miss Janet Alexander always used to say, and I I agree with her 100%. He said, God is such, she said, God is such a gentleman. He'll never force himself where he's not wanted. <laughs> and that is so true. You know, we've got to be willing and we've got to want him to do what only he can do. And we must relinquish our will to his. But I am thankful he is powerful enough to get in the middle of our stuff. And he's personal enough because he loves us to get in the middle of our stuff and do for us what needs doing. It's amazing, and I'm thankful Jesus loves me, and I want you to know Jesus loves you. If you don't hear nothing else tonight, maybe you need to hear that. Jesus loves you, and let me tell you something, that's enough. That's enough. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 11 is what we're going to look at tonight. We're primarily going to look at one verse, verse number 7, okay? And we're going to talk about the faith of Noah. What I want to do is just read this verse through with you. I'm going to pray for you, then we'll come back and unpack it just as far as we can go. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Let's pray together. Father, we again love you. Thank you, Lord, for being personal and for being powerful and for your promises that tell us whatever we have need of, we can bring it to the throne of grace. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just being who you are 
and keeping your word, keeping your promise to us. Thank you, Lord, for the people that are here tonight. And I know that we are not here by accident. I know that we are here for a reason. And you have a specific purpose for our lives tonight. And I believe you want to speak to us if we are ready to listen. So, Lord, I'm praying that tonight we tune our ear toward heaven. That, Lord, we open our hearts and our minds so that we might get a hold of your truth, your life-changing, powerful truth that will make a difference tonight and a difference tomorrow. I'm praying, Lord, that you would work in my life and in these people's lives and those listening online. And, God, comfort where comfort is needed, convict where conviction is needed. And, Lord, we're asking that you would receive all honor and glory and praise for it, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about Noah's faith, and I couldn't wait uh, to get to this one. We've been walking down the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11, and, and Noah is one of my favorite Bible characters, and it's been that way uh, ever since I was this little boy. My favorite Bible story, Bible truth growing up was the story of Noah and the ark, and that's probably true for a lot of us here tonight, so I couldn't wait to share with you what the Bible says about Noah. Now before we get there, let's lay the foundation and I'll give you just a little bit of review of what we've seen so far before we get into Noah because it's going to make a, a difference if we do that. I think it'll help us all. Now if you remember in verse number four we talked about Abel. That's the first member of the hall of faith that the Bible describes here and we said that Abel represents faith worshiping. Now what Abel did, if you remember in Genesis chapter number four, Abel, as an offering of worship, presented a sacrifice to the Lord, and the Bible says that sacrifice pleased God. And we said it pleased God because the sacrifice Abel brought was a blood sacrifice, and that blood sacrifice pointed to the Lord Jesus. So the picture is this, Abel's worship pointed to Christ. Can you say amen this evening? Now what, what does that speak to us? What does that mean? for me and for you. Well, that means my worship and your worship should point to Jesus. He's the only one worthy of it. It must point to Jesus. Now, it's got to point to Jesus and the worship that we do in here with our lips and the service that we give to the Lord while we're plugged into a local body of believers, that certainly must point to Christ. What I, that's why I keep telling you over and over again, I never want us to uh, forget that every time we come together, we have to make it all about Jesus. Listen, every prayer we pray, every message we preach, the lesson we teach, listen, in our giving, in our singing, in our worship, in our praising, in everything we do, let's make sure we're pointing all of that to Jesus. We're doing it for Him, and that is worship that God is pleased with. That's not only true with the worship we do in here, but the worship we do outside of here. How many of you understand that true worship don't just happen on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night? True worship happens each and every day. True worship doesn't just happen in the church house, but true worship must happen in my house. True worship don't, ha don't just happen when I'm working for the Lord here. True worship happens when I'm working for my employer tomorrow. I mean, we, we worship the Lord not just certain times, but all the time. We put on Jesus as believers, and we keep him on. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Thank you so much. Abel represents faith worshiping. Then we looked at Enoch. If you remember, Enoch represented 
faith walking. The Bible said in Genesis chapter number 5 that Enoch walked with the Lord and that pleased God. And, and, and Enoch, while he was walking with God one day, they got closer to God's home in heaven than they were to Enoch's home on earth. And the Bible says uh, God just went ahead and led Enoch home. Amen. He, he brought him on home and translated him. And Enoch is one of the ones in the Bible who never saw death. That's a, a great mystery. And we talked about it a little bit when we looked at the life of Enoch as we walked through the hall of faith. And we said that really speaks of the rapture of the church. It's a, actually a foreshadowing for what will one day happen for me and for you as believers when Jesus calls us home up to heaven. And so it's amazing how God's word does that. But Enoch walked with the Lord. And we talked about what walking with the Lord is all about, what walking with the fa uh, by faith is all about. And we said it's, first of all, trusting in who God is. And, and listen, having the fortitude and the faithfulness to walk with the Lord daily, daily. Listen, and walking with the Lord means not, not only we trust in Him, but we trust in, in what He has said and what He has told us. How do you know in the Bible we find out who God is? We find out who we are. We find out who we can be in Christ. We find out what God wants us to do, and God gives us clear instruction from His Word as to what is pleasing for Him and, and what is beneficial for us. Now, if we're going to walk by faith, we got to do just like Dr. Evans always said. We just act like God's telling the truth. We get a hold of His truth in His Word, then we apply that truth to our life, and I'll promise you, it'll make a difference for you. It'll make a difference in every sphere of your life in your church, in your family, in your workplace, in your friends, in your relationships, and everything. When you start applying God's truth to you, but that's what we must all do, just like Enoch. And what a beautiful picture this is. See, what God wants from us is just keep walking by faith until he leads us home. Can you say amen? Until he leads us home. I love Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll said this. He said, I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to shut up or let up until Jesus calls me up. I like that. I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to shut up or I'm not going to let up and no Jesus calls me up. How many of you know we got to be enlisted for the long haul? We got to be faithful. We got to finish well. It's good that you begin well. It's good that you run the middle of the race well. But we got to finish well. We got to keep on keeping on and let us not grow weary in well-doing. Now how many of you know it's easy in a world that we live in to grow weary in well-doing. Let me tell you why. Because we've got a lot of discouragers. There's a lot of people who will do everything they can to discourage you, to bring you down, to keep you from being all that God wants you to be. Now listen, listen to me. We cannot listen to the naysayers and the doubters and the scoffers. And, we, and I'm certainly quit listening to the negative Nancys. I'm so tired of negative Nancy. I, I get sick of hearing negative Nancy. I've, I've, I've tuned out negative Nancy. I, I've just come to the place where I've realized, you know, I want nothing to do with negative Nancy. I'm just going to move on. And I'm going to keep looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. And I found out that if I'm pleasing Jesus, listen to me, it don't matter who I displease. But if I displease Jesus, then it really don't matter who I please. Not that I am purposely trying to displease anybody. I want to love everybody. I want to do everything I can to live at peace with all men. But I have come to find out you cannot live at peace with some people. Let me tell you why. They won't let you. Let me tell you why. Because they got a mean spirit and a mean heart. 
And until God changes that heart, until they allow God to change that heart, they're just going to keep being mean. And you can't talk them out of it. And you can't reason with them. I don't know, man, I just get sick of trying sometimes. I think that's why Jesus said there comes a time you've got to shake the dust off your feet. You know what he meant by that? People that won't listen, people that won't uh, take heed to what you're telling them <laughs> as you're speaking truth in love, move on. Somebody else will. You understand me? But we walk by faith. Faithfully. With fortitude. Realizing there's strength in the Lord. <laughs> Enoch was a man who walked by faith. Now, if Abel represented worship, faith worshiping and Enoch represented faith walking, then Noah represents faith working. Faith working. Now, do you see the progression? And I love how God does this. The, the Word of God that has been given to us by inspiration of God the Holy Spirit never ceases to amaze me. He gives us the perfect progression. First of all, we must exercise faith worshiping. That's the first step. And then we must exercise faith walking. But if you're exercising faith worshiping and you're exercising faith walking, the next logical step in the progression, the next spiritual step in the progression is faith working. Faith making a difference. Faith doing what faith does because how many of you know faith works? There's about four or five things that I want to share with you uh, tonight. And that's the first one. Faith works. Look there in Hebrews 11 in verse number 7, Noah's faith worked. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not as yet, watch this now, moved with fear and prepared an ark. One of the, and if you haven't been there, I want to encourage you to go. We took a church trip um, several years ago now up to the Ark Encounter and, uh, and, and to the Creation Museum and just had a fantastic time doing that. If you've never saw it, you need to go see it. Um, and, and it was so amazing to me as we was coming down the interstate, you could see that ark sticking up in the distance from a long way off. And I thought, my goodness, that was a large task, a huge task that God asked Noah to do. I'm going to tell you something. It took some faith to do that. When God said, Noah, build the ark, Noah went to work. Let me tell you why. True faith works. Noah's faith worked. Let me give you two verses. You can turn there with me tonight to James chapter number 2. Brothers, please put this on the screen for me. Now I want you to turn in your Bible so you can underline these verses. You'll need these. It's good for you. It's good for all of us. James chapter number 2. In verse number 18, we're going to look there first. James says it like this. I love how he puts it. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by. Everybody say by. How is faith shown? By our works. Now listen to me. Works don't produce faith. 
But true faith will always produce work. And again, what I'm trying to share with you is this. Works are not the reason for our salvation, but works are certainly the result of our salvation. Dr. Adrian Rogers, the, my favorite preacher, I guess, who ever lived, he said something um, many years ago. There was a, he was a prophet if there ever was one. He said he's heard people say that, you, that uh, getting to heaven is like being in a rowboat and, and, and you've got uh, two oars in a rowboat. He said in, in one hand you've got faith and in the other hand you've got works. And, and, and listen, you, you must work both oars to get to heaven. He said there's only one problem with that. Nobody is going to heaven in a rowboat. <laughs> and he's right. Listen to me. Your works do not get you into heaven. Your faith gets you into heaven. For if it were your works that got you into heaven, then salvation is not a gift. And if it were your works that get you into heaven, guess what? Jesus don't get the glory because I earned it. No. Listen, I get to heaven simply because Jesus did everything necessary for me to get there. He paid my sin debt. The sin that separated me from God was paid for at the cross. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. He paid it all. And he paid it all for me and you. So listen, my salvation is bought and paid for not by my self-righteous work, but by the finished work of the Lamb of God, bought and paid for in His blood. However, if I've truly been born again, the Bible is teaching that that faith, true faith, real faith, will work. Now I am convinced that Brother James must have been preaching in the Bible Belt when he wrote James 2.18. Let me tell you why I say that. And you know this if you've ever done any door-to-door evangelism or you've ever um, witnessed to your co-workers or to your family members or friends. When you're witnessing in Alabama, everybody's saved. You ever notice that? That's one thing I love about going on the foreign mission field. Because people will just point blank tell you. Either they don't believe it or they don't want it or they don't, they've never heard of it. And they're usually much more hungry to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Amen. But at least they're honest. They, they just come, they'll just come forward with it. No, I, but, but I think what's happened, maybe people in our neck of the woods in the region we live in have become anesthetized. Hope I said that right. That's a hard word to say for me. But they, they become that word to the gospel. I'm not going to try it twice. But they do. And they, they, they become numb to the truth. Because they've heard it many times. And listen, for so long we have preached an easy believism. He said, Roswell, didn't you just say that when we place faith in Christ... That that's what it takes? Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, true faith 
will work. And you can talk to people and you can be sharing Jesus with them how much we need the Lord and what he's done for us. And, and, and you ask them, well, have you ever trusted in Christ as your personal? Oh, yeah, man, I got saved 25 years ago at a vacation Bible school. Hey, they asked for everybody who won't get saved to raise their hand. I raised my hand and I signed a card. Heck, I even went and got baptized. I said, where do you go to church at? I've never really got in church much. You hadn't? Come on now. We've got to get real. I mean, the Bible is saying, James is saying, I'll show you my faith by what? See, I've got a problem with folks who have no desire for the word of God, no desire for the worship of God, no desire to serve God, no desire to be faithful to God, no desire to make decisions in their life that please God. But then they claim, oh, I'm going to heaven. I don't know. Something's wrong there. You say, brother, you don't know anybody's heart. No, I don't, but I'm reading to you the word of God. And that's what it's saying. He makes it even more plain. Verse 20, watch this. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is what? Let me tell you what dead faith will do. Nothing. Dead faith can do nothing, will do nothing, because it's dead. And a dead faith will not produce any works. Can't. It's dead. So I think we all have to take inventory individually as to where we are with the Lord. And I put myself right in there. Hey, I'd say it's everybody. True faith works. Number two. True faith, Noah's faith, comes by divine revelation. Look what it says there in verse number seven. Watch this. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet as, not as yet, moved with fear. Now, you need to understand, Noah had faith in God and what God said. Why? Because he heard God speak. <laughs> How do you know Noah didn't just go out and build an ark for the sake of building an ark? Of course not. That's not faith. We don't have faith in faith or faith in positive thinking. We have faith in what God says. That's what true faith is all about. It comes by divine revelation. Amen? Now, how do we get divine revelation? And I, and, and, and I really want to stress this point because it's very, very important. I was just talking to a young lady just earlier this week. We're talking about a specific topic in Scripture. And, and she was telling me that one of her loved ones saw it one way. And, and I asked her what that was, and she explained it to me. And, and I said, um, now, I want to share with you why I see it that way. And I want you to know, I don't believe this just because it's what I think. I, I believe this because it's what God's Word says. And I'm not saying this is right just because it's how we do things, you know. I'm saying this is right because it's what the Word of God said. And because it's what the Word of God said, that's why we do it this way. That, that's what I want people to see. And so I went to the Scripture and I showed, showed her in God's Word what it means to do what the particular thing and, and why we do it and how we do it and why 
the loved one was actually mistaken. Now, I wasn't trying to be harsh with that. I wasn't trying to be uh, overly judgmental. I, that's not what I'm saying. I was just wanting her to know this is what God says and this is why we do it. You understand what I'm saying? And she said, well, spoke about her loved one and she said, well, they said they felt God was leading them to tell me this. And I said, no, wait a minute. I can promise you this. God is not going to lead anybody to tell you something that's contrary to his word. That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. And that's why I'm telling you, a lot of people get in a, a, lot of people get in a mess. And I mean a big one. Because a lot of times, God gets credit for things God don't do. They truly do. I, I told you the story, you know, years ago, I was um, meeting with a man in my office right here at the church. And he looked across the desk at me, and I, and I think he had some, some mental problems, and he said, God told me to kill you. And I said, uh, well, brother, I can promise you this. God didn't say that. And I said, let me tell you why God didn't say that. Because God says... Thou shalt not what? Yeah. So God didn't tell you that. Now you may have heard a voice that told you that, but it wasn't God. Our standard for how God speaks has to be His Word. Because if we get, out, if we get past that, then it's Katie bar the door. Well, anybody can claim that God told him anything. You see how dangerous that could be? The Mormon religion which is a false religion, came to be because a man named Joseph Smith claims an angel brought to him the Book of Mormon. Now, I believe in spiritual warfare, and I certainly believe in the spirit realm where demonic entities are alive and well and have access to the world we live in. And Joseph Smith may have been fooled and thought that it was an angel from the Lord giving him something. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I know that's false. I know that's untrue. And I'm going to stay away from it. Let me tell you why. Because it don't match what God's Word says. David Koresh, I watched a special on him. Um... I forget what it's called on Netflix. If you've never saw it, something Waco. But it, it was very, very good. And, and, and I, I enjoyed, I didn't enjoy it. I, was, I don't want to say that because a lot of people died needlessly. It was a terrible thing. But I was watching that and I began noticing, you know, he comes in and he's very charismatic and, and people really like him. He's a really good speaker, very passionate speaker. And man, he's up there speaking and, and there was a measure of truth to what he's saying. And then, you would see little bits of just weirdness. And it comes to the point where he's like, one day, you know, he's, they've got these tapes, and he's up there speaking. He says, okay, now from, from today on, um, all your wives no longer belong to you, but they belong to me. I don't know about you guys, but that would have been the day I said, okay, Brandon, time for us to go, babe. And I think, how can people believe this stuff let me tell you how they're not immersed in the truth 
Let me tell you the best way to spot the lie. Know the truth. Know the truth. Don't study the lie. Don't do that. Forget that. Study the truth and you'll spot the lie. That's why the Bible says, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourselves approved unto God a workman that rightly divides the word of truth and don't need to be ashamed. And, and in that documentary, they were interviewing some of the survivors that had actually left. And I thought, man, 2 Timothy 2.15 is so true because those people were up there shamed. And they kept saying, I can't believe we allowed this to happen. Gave their life savings, sold their homes, all because of a lie. You got to know the truth. My point is, true faith comes by divine revelation. And divine revelation is found in the Word of God. You say, well, does that mean God doesn't speak through people? No. That happens to me all the time. That's why I like being around the people of God. That's why I like talking about Bible stuff. Any of y'all want to talk Bible, man? We'll do it. Hey, let's, man, come over. We'll get a cup of coffee. We'll talk about, we'll talk Bible. You got questions? Ask them. I can't promise y'all I can answer it, but hey, we'll have fun digging it out. We'll look for it. We'll see what we can find. And we'll get a hold of truth together, and that's how we grow. So, yeah, I, I love when people give me insight. I love being around men of faith, mentors of mine like uh, Dr. Johnny Mays. You know, I, every time he would come around, man, I, I couldn't get enough of just hanging out with him. I'd just sit over there and just learn at his feet because that brother was so, such a powerful man of God. And please pray for him. He's very sick right now. He's not doing well. Um, I know that Brother Johnny's ready to meet Jesus, but I also know it's tough sometimes when that time comes. So pray for him that God would have his way and will. But I would sit and just listen to him and, and learn from him and glean from his experiences that God had done in his life. And it was just so amazing. I, I love doing that. So I, I've seen it happen in my life where, where people speak into you. Can you say amen? Now it can happen in church. It should happen in church. Hope it's happening in church. <laughs> Hope it's happening in preaching and Sunday school and as you're fellowshipping together, hope all that happens. But it can also happen anywhere. And, and I think sometimes God is not limited by who he uses. He's really not. Sometimes I know I've heard from the Lord, from believers, but I think there's been times God has used some non-believers to speak into my life. Different things. I guess if he can use Balaam's donkey, and maybe sometimes he can use Ezra Price, which not a lot of difference really. <laughs> he can probably use anybody, can he? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just saying God does use other people. God sometimes quickens our spirit with divine revelation. I've told you this, and I hope you understand what I mean when I say it. I've never heard the Lord speak audibly to me. And that's not because God can't handle that. It's probably because I can't handle it. Yeah. So I've never heard a booming voice from heaven for God to speak audibly. But I'll tell you what I have experienced when God quickens my spirit. 
And let's know that's what God wants. Can me tell you why I'm at Mount Zion Baptist Church right now? Can me tell you why I came here a little over 10 years ago? I came here because I know God quickened my spirit. When it was just me and him. I, I, I knew that's what God wanted. And to be honest, I felt like I knew it before y'all ever asked me. I know that's weird, but I truly do. God quickened my spirit in that time. So God does those things. And, and, and in big decisions and small decisions and leading, guiding, and directing us to minister to others, he quickens our spirit many times. So yeah, God speaks in divine revelation that way. But how do we gauge all of that? By the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, write this scripture down. The scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Moses, or excuse me, Noah's faith was a true faith because it came by divine revelation. Number three, true faith waits. It waits. The Bible says here in Hebrews 11 and 7 that Noah built an ark by faith when he heard God say, build an ark. But what it doesn't tell you and what it will tell you in Genesis 6 is that it didn't rain for 120 years after God told him that. It took some waiting. You ever had to wait? Anybody in here like waiting? Now I know y'all don't like waiting. I've seen y'all go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. I get my oil changed at Jiffy Lube. Don't you? Anybody like the main red light at the courthouse? I've been so mad at that red light for the last however long I've been driving. It's better now than it used to be. I've complained to everybody I know to complain to at the highway department. That red light has been something else. But a lot of times, used to, you would sit through that thing yeah, seemed like five, six, seven minutes, you know. And I, I'm the one inching all the way out into the middle of the lane. And later on, I figured out that wasn't helping anything because there's loops there in the road at those stop bars that tell the light when to change. So probably a lot of that was me. Let <laughs> me tell you why I kept getting myself in a mess. I don't like waiting. I hate to wait. I want it now. I want to see God work now. I want to see God move now. I want to see people saved now. I want to see the church grow now. I want to see all this now. I want my prayers answered now. Don't you? But true faith is about waiting. We have to wait. Have you ever heard of George Mueller? George Mueller ran an orphanage in London, England for many years in the 1800s. Fed thousands of orphans. Great man of faith. If you want to read a great testimony of a man of faith and read about George Mueller. I want to tell you two stories about George Mueller. He is running this orphanage and he had a house full of children and he didn't have any food and he didn't have any money. And he was a great man of God, great man of faith who trusted in the Lord, knew what God had said. And he knew that the Bible said Jesus commanded his disciples to pray for their daily bread. And so without any bread in the cupboard, nothing to eat, he gathered all his children in his orphanage around the table. And he said, we don't have anything to eat, and I know you're hungry, and I'm hungry too. 
We don't have any, any money to buy any food. But Jesus commanded his disciples, he commanded us to pray for our daily bread. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to pray for our daily bread, and we're going to thank God for our daily bread. That's good. You know what he's teaching those kids? You know what that taught me? Okay, I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to ask God, but then I'm going to expect God to do what I'm asking. I'm going to go ahead and thank him for it. Because that's faith. Amen? Even when you don't see bread in the cupboard. So he gathers the kids around, man. He prays for them there that day and asks that their daily needs be met, their daily bread be given. And listen, as soon as he, he, he writes this story um, in, in, his, um, in his book, in, in the book he wrote about his life. But he, he says that, listen to me now, when he got finished praying, almost immediately he hears a knock at the door. And it's the baker down the road who has baked too much bread for the day, and he didn't sell it. He didn't want it to go to waste. And so he asked George Mueller, he said, look, I got all this bread, I thought you might need it. And he brings this bread in and gives it to the kids. Isn't that amazing? Great man of faith. Let me read to you another story, though. And this is from his own words. He says, I prayed for two men, my brothers, for 35 years to be saved. On land or sea, sick or well, I have remembered them before God. They are both living and neither are saved. Now, think about this. This is George Mueller, this great man of faith. He prayed for 35 years. This is the guy who just prayed for the bread and it came knocking at the door. But he's prayed for 35 years for his brothers to get saved. Notice what he says. He said, for 35 years I have remembered them before God. They are both living and neither are saved. But I will continue to spread, speak their name before the Lord daily until they are saved. Now, he, that's when he had prayed for 35 years. He lived for another 27 years. He died at the age of 62. When he died, his brothers were still not saved. Shortly thereafter his death, both of them accepted Christ and became great men of God. For 62, isn't that right? 35 and 27, isn't that 62? Well, he didn't die at 62, but he prayed for 62 years. I meant to say. For 62 years, this man prayed. Never saw his prayer answered. But continually prayed for his brothers to get saved. He had to wait. Sometimes God does what we want right then. Sometimes we wait. And as people of faith, we experience both. Now listen to me. That's when we've got to trust in those times of waiting. That God knows what he's doing. And he's always right on time. So if you're praying for a lost loved one, keep praying. If you're praying for a wayward child, keep praying. If you're praying for something specific in your family, keep praying. Praying for your church, please keep praying. Praying for your pastor, please keep praying. Keep praying. Faith waits sometimes. Can I tell you something else though? Faith fears. Noah's faith feared. Look what it said. By faith, 
Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear. Because I'm a man of faith and I know who God is, by grace through faith I have been saved, I have relationship, and I do have fellowship. I have fear of God about what God says. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that I certainly respect him and I reverence him. No doubt about that. I think that um, there's a measure of that when we're talking about the fear of God. But you know what else? I'm kind of scared to death of him, too. kind of like when I was a little boy and I'd be at home with my mama in the summertime and I would act up in the morning and my mama would do her best to whip three boys but um, her whipping didn't do a whole lot and I can remember <laughs> I can remember one time me and my brother got in a fight and she whipped me and I laughed at him. And she said, all right, keep laughing. Daddy would be home about 3.30. About all day long, I thought about Daddy coming home. And I knew, I knew that he had commanded me that I better honor my mama and I better respect her. And I knew what was going to happen when 3.30 came. All day long, I was scared to death. As a man of God, you know why I don't want to commit adultery? Certainly because I love my wife. But you know why else? I'm scared to death of the God of heaven. As a man of God, you know why I want to be a man of integrity? Yeah, I, I want to let my yes be yes and let my no be no and I want to do the right thing. But also, I'm scared to death of the God of heaven. What we do matters and what we sow we reap. So there is a measure of fear in faith. The Bible says Noah feared God because God said, okay, you better build an ark. Noah said, okay, God, I'm going to do it because you're God and I'm not. Now, it had to be divine revelation. Let me tell you why. It had never rained before. Genesis 2 and 6 says that at that time it didn't rain from the heavens, but dew came up from the ground and watered the earth. Noah had never saw it rain. He had never saw a thundercloud. Noah had never been around an ocean. He lived in the middle of the desert, and God says build a boat. And he did it for 120 years. All by himself. And the only people who got saved were his family. Him and seven other people placed faith in God and got in the ark. And everybody else died. Now, I'm telling you something. As a pastor, I want to see somebody get saved every week. I want to see God do something in somebody's life every week. And boy, it can get discouraging when that don't happen. And I've thought about Noah a lot of times. This brother is up there preaching his heart out, working his butt off, building this ark. And nobody seems to care. 
Let me tell you what else I think was happening. The Bible says in that day, go back to Genesis chapter 6, that the thoughts and intents upon me of men's heart were upon evil continually. So here you have no Noah out there building this big old ark in the middle of the desert. And everybody's walking by and saying, Noah, what in the world are you doing? Noah, you're crazy. It's never rained. We don't need a boat. All of this is sand. And Noah kept building. Why do I say this? Sometimes true faith must stand alone. There's going to be times people ain't going to stand with you. I'm telling you. There's going to be times people will betray you, people will talk about you. There will be times people will scoff you, scorn you, and just be downright mean to you. It's going to happen. Sometimes you just got to stand alone and do the right thing. It's not always easy. But that's what true faith does. Amen? Man, keep preaching, keep loving. Keep serving. Love God and love people. Don't let up. Don't shut up. Keep speaking up till Jesus calls you up. True faith, Noah's faith, worked. If you believe it, say amen to that. God's good in him. Praise God for faith. The faith that he ultimately gives. Amen? It's all about him. It's all about him. Faith is not something I even conjured up. The Bible says that God deals to every man a measure of faith. God gave me the faith to get saved. It's all Him. Praise the Lord. Anybody got anything else? Comments or questions? All right. I love you. Have a great week. Go out and walk by faith. Amen. Miss Judy, you want to dismiss us tonight?